Hello. Hey. Hello. Ah. That's just fucking with <laughs> Hello, this is the Vergecast. That was not a good beginning to the Vergecast, but you know what? It's like Vergecast, what is it, like 213? It's mm. some enormous number. 214. Yeah. It's Vergecast 214, our it's producer It's not a says. large round number. You don't even need to try. Yeah, but, I, you know, we've been doing it for a while. We got to, like, got to re-energize. Re you know, that, 100 episodes from now, yeah. we're only going to talk about pie. Yeah. <laughs> Probably true. Uh, yeah. Anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of TheVerge.com. The one, by the way, many people told me. It's oh the my one God. with the my ad Twitter has it. been nonstop people defining flagship to me. Yeah. So whichever <laughs> one of us four chooses to be the admiral, that's the always the admiral flagship. Admiral on it. Yeah. Oh. That's the flagship. What is anyway. That? Oh. Uh, I'm Neil Patel. Uh, that's Lauren Good that you're hearing. Hey, Lauren. Hi. Uh, you, this is Admiral Lauren Good. <laughs> we're all admirals now. <laughs> I don't know uh, what that means. I don't know. You get a hat. Dieter is here. <laughs> yeah, I'm the I'm the Swain. I'm the I'm the Coxwain. So you're just telling us to row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, and Paul Miller's here. Hey, Hello. Paul. How's it going? I was trying Paul. to think of a different job on a ship, but I couldn't. <laughs> 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 I'm steering. Yeah, that guy. You got the big wheel? Yeah, I got the big wheel. That, that feels good to me. Look, this boat. That's called the captain? Two admirals, a guy <laughs> yelling for people to row, <laughs> and a dude with a steering wheel. That's uh, a really effective ship. Flagship. Uh, and I got to say, one of the most threatening navies. In the entire podcasting ocean. Uh, this week, uh, this is usually where I say a joke about scissor vodka, so I'm just going to say cut through the night. Nice. All of you understand that. Good. Good catchphrase. Um, this week, kind of a lot going on this week, mm -hmm. sort of defined structurally by the fact that every big tech company has its quarterly earnings this week. And we were just talking about this before we came on the show. Uh, the the nitty-gritty of the numbers is not to us particularly interesting, right? It's like... Like, we're not playing the stocks game. That's not our job. We don't even own stocks. This is where, if uh, Walt was here, he would now do two minutes about how he can't invest in anything and doesn't <laughs> own any stocks. And w that's all true for us, too. Right. Like, we don't... Nobody's no. allowed to own any stocks. It doesn't matter to us. We really care about the products. But earnings is a really good time for us to just sort of see how every company's doing. Are they up? Are they down? Uh, so we got to start, I think, just get into it with a little little fruit company. Hmm. Makes a very popular oh, cell don't phone. Don't do that. Don't what? don't Peach. be the guy who, talk, who calls it the fruit company. I love calling it the fruit company. Let's take a drive no. down one infinite fruit, loop. Fruit company is like, <laughs> it's some like Twitter troll garbage. Like I'm, 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 I'm too cool to refer to Apple, so I'm going to call it that wow. fruit company and feel like I'm superior. You know what we never do? Just don't do it. We never refer to companies as the cities in which they reside. Do you remember when everyone refer, used to refer to Microsoft as just Redmond? What will Redmond do? Yeah. Yeah. How I think will people Redmond say, respond? I think people say, like, down in Cupertino, and everyone knows who you're talking about. Yeah, but no one's well, ever, like, waiting for the response from Cupertino. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, that was, like, a print <laughs> journalist move. Mm. You know, when you can't use the same, you got you got like a crusty old editor who's like, you got four inches, Bob. Mm -hmm. You got to change up the words. <laughs> uh, we should just do that some more. <laughs> anyway, uh, look, there's a, a technology company called Apple, mm -hmm. which is a fruit, I guess. doesn't matter. Dieter, Dieter hates me now. <laughs> uh, so much. They <laughs> so their earnings came out. They, Laura and I were actually talking about it um, as we were covering them. They have been saying they're not going to be great for some time. 
and the big yeah, story. Apple's been like Apple's been like that significant other that's like listen. I'm going to be a really shitty boyfriend. <laughs> and then they like bring you flowers and it's really not all that much. But you're like, that's so nice because yeah. your expectations were so low. Yeah. And instead of flowers, they brought basically flat iPhone sales. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're yeah. like, they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know. The analogy is not going to work. <laughs> but, no, the analogy. Yeah, no, they, I, they had I, I said actually. So last quarter was the first time in 13 years that the company had reported a decline in, uh, it was a decline in revenue, correct? Mm-hmm. No, sorry, it was an iPhone sales. iPhone sales were basically flat and revenue uh, was down for them for the first time in a long for, time. For last quarter. Last quarter. And so, th- so they had set their guidance to be very low, and so they just sort of narrowly, you know, scooted past what analysts had expected and and what their their guidance had been, and so they did beat expectations, and as a result, the stock got a nice little jump. And that was sort of the same story across all of their unit sales as well. If you looked at every key product, if you looked at iPhone, if you looked at iPad, um, if you looked at Mac, um, year over year, all of their numbers were down, but because the expectations had been set so low, they sold more, they actually made more money off of iPad now because they're making more expensive iPads, they're selling more of the iPad Pro, um, and so investors seem to like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that I, was pretty much the story there. But we're not investors. Let's talk about the... Like, like right. I think that the thing is, we're coming up towards September, which is traditionally time for a new iPhone, and they've also been really underselling this next iPhone, right? Like, the rumor in the world is that this, and all the leaks, quite frankly... They'll move the antenna lines. They'll move the antenna lines. Get rid of Neli's favorite plug. It's the best plug. <laughs> best plug. I bet it'll be faster. It'll be faster. Might it, have an OLED well, before screen. Before we get to the next iPhone, shouldn't we talk about uh, the number of phones they've sold so far? Like, they hit a billion. Yeah, so they sold like the day billion. after or something? Yeah, right. they announced it the day after earnings. Like, they did not. How frustrating did not is that? Like, come call. on, just do it the same day. Just come on, guys. Just, just tell them the same <laughs> day. Well, we haven't hit it yet. We're at nine hundred. It's like who can measure it? That just shows you how honorable they They're are. They're so honorable down yeah. in Cupertino, <laughs> in the apple orchards of Cupertino. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they may have also been saving that data point to see how the stock reacted the day after the earnings report, and then just kind of, who knows, maybe keeping it in their back pocket. But yeah, that's a lot of yeah. iPhones. Right. That's a lot. So the, I, I just think the story is, and I, there was a great post by a guy named Benedict Evans, being like, the smartphone wars are over. Like The platform wars are over. We know who won and lost. Apple and Google have won. And if you pull it apart, there's way more Android phones out in the world but obviously Android has forking problems, so you got to count them differently, and you can't really measure everything directly. But generally, in this industry, the, the phone the phone thing happened, mm-hmm. and Apple is kind of feeling that, right? Like they're not spiking their sales, they're not growing, they're just selling as many phones. I think they sold let's say forty point four million iPhones, uh, and last year they sold forty seven point five million iPhones, Apple- which is, by the way. A fucking enormous number of iPhones. If Apple never added another feature to the iPhone, but they just released, kept shipping the iPhone 6s. Yeah. For how? I mean, how long? I, I feel like they could keep selling those for like five years. I mean, if you think about the iPhone SE, it's the same phone, right? just a little bit faster. Yeah. Right, with a better processor. And and there's a part of me where it's like. I have to buy an iPhone every couple of years because drop it and break it, yep. or the battery starts to die, or you know what for whatever reason. I kind of I'm 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 on this treadmill, yeah. Um, 
Well, so that here's a comparison. Yeah. Samsung's earnings came out selling S7s like crazy, biggest profit in Samsung history led by their mobile division. So there's something going on there, but it's hard to say exactly what. VR. <laughs> it's VR. I mean, it might be VR. My sense of Samsung is that uh, everybody who likes Samsung phones skipped the S6 because it wasn't that good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's totally fair. They took all the stuff that you wanted them to do in the S6, and then they did it, right? And then they have the Edge, which is a remarkably good phone uh, and has a huge screen and a not huge body and is just flat out beautiful. Um, and, you know, they are probably making bunch of free money on selling gear VR headsets. They're, they're 100 bucks. It probably makes them five bucks to make them. So it's not a total shock to me. The The big question with Samsung is like, I am not willing to say that, oh my God, they're, they're back on the upswing and they're leading a, they're bucking the trend of flat smartphone sales worldwide until later. Because to me, this looks like a story of people didn't want to upgrade to the last Galaxy phone. They were waiting for this one. This one came around, and they're like, "Yep, this is great. I'm buying this." Um, I think it's a bigger story of Samsung finally achieving a design aesthetic, a certain design aesthetic yeah. that is neither ridiculous nor derivative. Well, um, did you see their font, the Samsung One <laughs> font? It's fine. yeah. It's it is literally the definition of fine. It's like they went to 50 design agencies, and they're like, "What is a typeface that screams fine?" <laughs> yeah, like, on a scale of one to ten, would you rate that font a seven? <laughs> yes, it, that font is a seven. It's it. It is literally so inoffensive that if they hadn't told us they did it, we would have never noticed that it happened. Uh, which is probably what you want in like a system font, but it's no, still no, like no. I, my favorite thing about the font was all the like you know like when you're like trying to come up with like your corporate directive and like what words define us and yeah. you have like brainstorms and you like throw balls back and forth brainstorming you know. You know, like have you ever been in a brainstorm? I have been. With I've balls? been in a corporate <laughs> exercise. I don't know. The last brainstorm I recall being in with you was the one where we named the Verge and you rode your bicycle upside down in your apartment. That's for a while. true. See, you gotta do something physical <laughs> to keep the mind okay. Here's what they came up with in whatever setting. Just just use your imagination. Yes. Human. Balanced. Ownable. Distinctive. <laughs> universal. Scalable. Expert. Durable. <laughs> durable. Nothing so sexy like Let's the word make durable. Let's with all of those adjectives. <laughs> and uh, they did. Yeah. Literally all those adjectives. Anyway, so, so that's that's a context, right? Um, but there's other, there's other stuff going on with Apple, too. So iPhone sales are flat, not a big surprise. Mm. There is this idea that the, the next iPhone won't actually be the 7. I heard a terrible rumor, completely unsubstantiated, but kind of makes sense that they'll call it the iPhone 6SE, and then Still the next one will be the 7, because that would be the radical redesign. Yeah, there's also a rumor that the next MacBook Pro would be like the Mac Pro SE or something like that, also completely unsubstantiated. I got I got it. It's just not a good idea. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Like, I get that there's some history with SE and Apple. And yeah, well, I the had SE30 a, was like I had the best computer SE. ever made. I had an SE. You have an SE or an SE30? Well, the one with the dual floppies. They both had dual floppies. They did? Yeah. But the SE30, I think, came with a hard drive a bunch of times. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, I mean, to me, SE is stands for we don't know what our product roadmap looks like, and we can't fill, fill out the exact product lines the way that we want to, so we're just going to slap the word SE on it and make a thing because we got to make a thing. It's like and it microwave. might be an incredibly good thing, but it doesn't tell you what's going to happen in three years the way that MacBook Pro 
MacBook Air, MacBook tell you what's going to happen in three years. Yeah. I mean, the, they, on the call, they pointed out several times that the demand for the iPhone SE like, was way bigger than they thought. But that was small. Yeah. That was about there being a small iPhone. Well, so let me ask you this. Not about calling a phone SE. So let me ask you this. This is a, a real question I thought about a lot. The thing that has driven phone sales forever has been screen size, mm-hmm. form factor and screen size. Not necessarily design, operating system, whatever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the Android manufacturers were killing, well, not killing. They were doing well in sales when they had the big phones and Apple didn't. And then Apple made the big phone and their sales skyrocketed. And then Apple's like, what about a small phone again? And their sales went up. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it? Is that all that we care about? It's a little do screen, screen size? I mean, no, there, it's, yes. it is going to come down to the services. I mean, I think the one sort of um, the one bright spot of their earnings that they didn't really have to hedge at all was this idea that their services have grown. I think it, I don't remember the exact numbers um, off the top of my head, but year over year. And so they've been pushing that lately. Right. And mm-hmm. things like the App Store are becoming an increasingly important part of their revenue generation and getting just people locked into Apple's infamous walled garden Um, And so, like, I actually don't think the screen, I mean, the screen size is just product differentiation in its classic form. It's like, oh, look, something new. We changed the screen size Um, or we added this hardware feature like like 3D touch. Um, But at the end of the day, it's just all about getting people to use their apps and use their services. Right. It's like, you know, you have to buy this phone and Apple makes you helps you feel better about it. It's like, oh, well, I'm getting this one because it's got a bigger screen. I'm getting this one because it's got a smaller screen. I'm getting better this. Better camera. Right. Yeah. I, 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 there's something on the spec list that I can pretend to myself that's the reason. But really, I'm just re-upping. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- can, that, I, go ahead. can I tell you guys a story about screen size? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have switched from a 6 Plus and a Nexus 6P down to a regular 6S and a Nexus 5X, and I couldn't be happier. Really? I'm done with phablets. That's a good love story. Really? You're done with phablets? Or when are you going to write that story? I don't think story? I need a phablet. P-I-O-T-S. Yeah, man. Nah, that stands for put it on that. the site. It's um, Normally the coxswain is the person who yells to put it on the site. But in this case, <laughs> yeah. the admiral has really just... I'm really actually like, you're the admiral. I'm like the iceberg watcher. I'm like, look out for icebergs. Yeah. Lawrence, the lookout. The lookout. <laughs> Land. I see it. Finally, the ship is coming to shore. I can get off this boat. Uh, no, I mean, wait, Dieter, tell me more about this. You're just uh, over it. I, I, it's, it's, I, I don't need uh, a huge phone. Like, even except on certain Android phones. Uh, where they manage to let you do the thing where you can like change the font size, which the S7 just added on AT&T with like a random carrier update. Um, you don't By the way, get to see everything you just said more. is the story of Android. Like, yeah, that's the fair, S7 on AT&T because of a carrier update allows you to change the font size. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it's a, it's not the font size; it's the zoom size. But right. regardless, yeah. anyway, you don't get to see that much more on a big phone than you do on a small phone. And the promise that big phones would give you better battery life turned out to be a huge lie. And so, what do you get out of a big phone other than I'm old? I like to see things bigger. <laughs> Well, that's shot to the heart, Dieter. Better, better battery life. No, but no, Dieter's right. My don't. 6S does not get appreciably better battery life than any of my old small phones. Your uh, 6S Plus, do you mean? 6S Plus, yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, I will say that having the phablet is the thing that has basically let me use my phone as a primary computer. 
when I, when I had smaller phones, I would always be like, ah, and then like go to a laptop. But now I'm like banging away. Yeah, I remember um, when Dieter had worked on his uh, his big feature story about Sundar Pichai around last year's I.O., Neil, that's when, when you and I were chatting at Code Conference. And you were like, look at this thing we're working on. And you took out your giant phablet and you basically went through like your whole workflow process on the phablet. And I was like, wow. I, w- I was just thinking in my head I would definitely need to take out my laptop if I were going to show somebody a project of this scale and like what we're doing. Yeah. And Anyway, that's like a really silly anecdote. But um, one other thing too, which you guys are going to be like, oh, okay, like wearables nerd. But um, <laughs> but uh, phablets are really suck for exercising too, like carrying them on your arm or trying to put them on your body in some way or and like, I don't know, in a bike pack or whatever it is. Like just having a phablet when you're exercising sucks. Oh, you need a, like a shoulder that. holster, like a James Bond yeah. holster. <laughs> <for a> <laughs> yeah. They make them. You can buy them. They, he, let me just say this: No holster for a phone has ever been cool. Are you sure? I'm a hundred percent sure. No, no. The sure. original StarTac plastic belt holster. Was oh, badass. I know what you're talking about. That thing, it was badass in the sense so. that it was because it was so aggressively plastic. It felt like you were like clipping a like a gun, but like yeah. every other holster has never been that cool. Um, also, the StarTac was designed; it had clips for that holster. Yep, like the phone itself was designed wow. around a belt Wait, holster. Are you talking about belt holsters? Yes. Oh, I'm thinking of like shoulder holsters, like wow. where cops, like detectives. That's what I was thinking oh, about. You, you, don't, you don't wear your phone around your body. But look at this guy. In a this cop guy. Holster? Look at this cool man on this audio it's, podcast. Uh, it's a radio wow, show. Wow, look at this. You know the '90s are back. So we should bring this back. It's uh, gonna go ahead and tell you it's a radio show. Um, we should talk about um, Apple Car and Apple TV too. Oh, the Apple TV story is yes. amazing. There's one more thing yeah. I was going to say about phones, but it doesn't matter. Um, but I, Lauren is, is I think, right. I mean, Apple's big thing was we're growing services. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. I was going to ask Lauren about the watch. Almost no mention of the watch. And we're coming up to an event where it seems like they're almost certainly going to do a new phone. The Macs are in desperate need of refreshes. And sort of all signs point to WatchOS 3 coming out for real against an updated watch and it seems like watch sales are that you know they've just gone down well it's a million years old like people aren't gonna buy it it's like a year old <laughs> it came out in april of 2015 yeah like i don't want to be on this treadmill this product upgrade cycle that thing is a million years old can you imagine <laughs> that it was only like a year and a couple months ago that that the watch came out and we all had like the watch moment. That yeah. can't be that recent. Yes, it was that recent. Wow. It was. Okay, well, I knew it was over a year. So I was right about that. A million years. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what confused me is that we're on WatchOS 3. Yeah, because right? they put it out on, on WatchOS like 0. Point nothing. Mm-hmm. 0. Point nothing. That's watch a good OS version. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so. Me- Maybe that's why. Maybe it wasn't mentioned. So the reason why they put out, you know, two versions, two newer versions of software is because the app loading process was so slow on it. I mean, Neil, I has written about this as well. And what what was the story that you wrote about? Life is too slow. Life is too short for slow computers. Yes, the, and it was all about your the, wrist computer. It was the all about quote, your Apple Watch. The quote I want on my tombstone someday. I, I yeah. just obviously and, wrist computers aren't going to go away. Mm-hmm. They just have a long ways to go be, before they're really great. 
Right. So, oh, yeah. But, but so to that point, though, the reason why they had to put out new software is because it was really slow. And so they started to move more and more of the app logic onto the wrist itself in an attempt to make that a better experience. But at the end of the day, having like having app developers build for iOS and then build for maybe Mac OS and, you know, build an Apple TV app and then oh, by the way, I should probably optimize this and make a little micro app for Apple Watch. Like, that's just obviously not the number one platform in most cases that people are going to build for or that consumers are going to interact with. Like, there are some, like, there are some companies that are like, hey, we built a heart rate monitoring app specifically for Apple Watch, and that's and that's great, and that's maybe, like, the, the platonic use case for that. Um, but it's still, like, if they are really pushing for apps and services right now, it's not like watchOS is going to be the well, killer platform for that. But was, was, the, was the killer app for the phone something that came from the desktop? No, the phone right. converged every other device into it. That was its move. Like, you don't need a calculator anymore because you have a phone. You don't need a uh, camera anymore because you have a phone. You don't need an iPod anymore because you have a phone. And then we all cried because iPods were amazing. <laughs> what um, was the first thing, though, that you felt like the phone could do that nothing else could do that you got from the App Store? Probably some uh, game. Uh, no, it was Shazam? Nah. I mean, just Oh, from the App Store? The yeah, it was stuff like Shazam Basic and games. Stuff. That, no, th- that thing where you could pretend like you're drinking a beer? <laughs> it was Super Monkey Ball. It was Super Monkey Ball. Yeah. yeah, and then it's now it's stuff like Pokemon Go, right? Like, by the way, can we can we just say that uh, Tim Cook on the call was asked by Gene Munster, no less, what do you think of AR? <laughs> and he first admitted that Apple is investing heavily in AR, which mm-hmm. we there were, there were whispers about. But at, like Tim Cook said, our bets on AR, we think it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And then he pronounced Pokemon is Pokemon. Like a real mom. We're investing, and the number one thing is to make sure our products work well with uh, other developers' kind of products like Pokemon. And so that's the reason you see so many iPhones out in the wild right now chasing Pokemon. It's kind of adorable. It was super cute. Yeah, and like it, I wrote a whole post about it, and then it was like, man, there's no way I could write this without it just coming off as mean. Yeah, and I don't like. I actually think it's like charming and adorable. So we it was like just killed the post. It was really fun, and there was just that that moment after he'd said, "That's why so many people are hunting Pokemans," that there was just kind of that silence, and everyone on that phone call agreed that they weren't going to mention it, yeah. and they just moved yep. on. The Vergecast, as you know, is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. How cool is it that we live in a world where you can use the same device to listen to the Vergecast and buy your morning coffee, groceries, and more? Did I mention that it's a super fast way to pay? Just use your City Card with Android Pay at the register. Get in, get it, and get going. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible City, Consumer, Credit, and Debit cards. Anyway, so we should move on to the next two things about Apple that uh, Dieter or Lauren, you brought it up. Uh, the ser- the services are growing, which is ties into the big TV story that the Wall Street Journal published today. And then the, there was a bunch of car news today, too. So let's do cars real quick. And then I, we can there's a lot of meat on the TV bone. That this is the worst phrase <laughs> so, ever uttered on the Ridgecast. Three days ago, we heard that Apple was bringing back Bob Mansfield to they can't get enough of each the- other. He just can't. He, he keeps can't quit leaving. Apple. They keep reeling him back in. Yeah. So he used to run hardware at Apple. So we're like, oh, great. They're actually like gonna make gonna make this thing. But then today, well, then he uh, left. Herman, and he, they brought him back to run chips. And then he left again. Yeah. And now he's back. I don't know what to tell you, man. Bob. He's just yeah, everyone loves Bob. What about him? <laughs> 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 anyway. Uh, 
So the news, the big news is, and this is kind of interesting. They brought him back. They're obviously investing in the car stuff. Another leak, Lauren, to your theory. They put out the earnings, and then a bunch of news came out today. Who knows? Um, but the story was they're focusing more on autonomous driving software than necessarily well, that's a, the, the, Yeah, the that's the story today, and it's actually two parts. So one thing that's interesting is it's Mark Gurman's first big scoop over at Bloomberg. So hey. big ups to Mark Gurman. And they hired this guy named Dodge. Dan Dodge. Dan Dodge. What a great name. Um, what's interesting oh, no. about him is he ran the previous only decent car software that you could trust to actually like not crash, uh, like like software crash, which was QNX, QNX, which BlackBerry bought. So he used to be the CEO of that. Right. But now he's coming over to Apple under Mansfield. And German says that they are, like Nell, I just said, not as interested in building a car as they are in creating autonomous driving software. Which, hmm. who's going to take Apple software to just put hmm. in their car? Yeah. Well, maybe some of the manufacturers that are already using Apple on their dashboard. Yeah. I think you know, my great fear with the car is always if you buy the Apple car, like Apple loves lock in, right? They love their walled garden. And somehow that car is going to demand that you use Apple Mail on your phone. Like, <laughs> right? Like that's the nightmare scenario. It's like I bought a new car and now I have to use mail or maps. The <laughs> only calls that are allowed to go through to you while you're driving are people that you've marked as VIP in Apple Mail. Yeah. Like that's the nightmare. <laughs> And like, fa- fa- <laughs> it's literally the worst auto. case scenario <laughs> is that I have to set up mail on my fucking MacBook and like use the VIP feature. You know, if they really are building and distributing self-driving car software, the next earnings call, I want Gene Munster to have his question be about the trolley problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dieter, can you explain to the listeners and also me what the trolley problem is? Really? You don't know the trolley problem? All right, so no, I totally old, do. I just want to make sure the listeners know what it is. It's this old philosophy problem where uh, it's about ethics. And so there's a train running down the tracks, and it's going to run over four people. But you are standing ahead of those four people next to a switch. And if you throw the switch, then the train will go off the track of killing four people, but it's still going to kill one other person. And so the trolley problem is, should you kill the four people or the one person? Well, most people would say, well, you kill the one person. But the diff- the thing is, you are actively choosing to kill a person. If you don't throw the switch, you just like watch it happen. You might not technically be at fault. But if you do throw the switch, you're definitely at fault. And there are variations on the trolley problem that are like get progressively more hilarious and dark. Like you're on a bridge on a footpath over the train tracks and the train is barreling down the tracks. And if you push this rather large person down in front of the train, you'll kill that person, but stop it from killing the other people down the track. Should you push a person in front of the train? You think yeah. the former CEO of QNX can get yeah. us through this problem? Okay. I think so. And Bob. Yeah. I think Bob is there. And Bob. I mean, this so is, that's the central problem. The with tro- who is the train barreling down the tracks right now? In this metaphor. Uh, self-driving cars. They're, right. they're barreling they, down the tracks, and they, they have to decide which uh, if they want to kill four people or one person. Right. Like So a car sees, is like driving down the street, child runs into the road. Mm-hmm. The car's only two courses of action are run over the child 
Or veer onto the sidewalk and hit a bunch of pedestrians on the sidewalk. Or veer off a cliff and kill the driver. So yeah. you're the person that bought the car. You expect that this car is supposed to protect you, but is it supposed to protect you above all else? Right now, when you buy something, you have a direct relationship with the th- person you bought it from, and you expect them to treat you and care about your needs above everybody else's. But now you might buy a thing, and that thing is not going to care about your life as much as it cares about the life of somebody who didn't buy the thing. What if what if um, mm. the car just, you know, like the setup, like, welcome, please pick your Wi-Fi network. <laughs> just walks you through the trolley. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the darkest user flow of all time. Like, it's, here's a picture of a child. Here's a picture of you. <laughs> Who do you like better? <laughs> Who would you rather? <laughs> uh, Apple car usage did not increase this quarter. Because yeah. users found the <laughs> setup really to be really, really dark. Pick a password prompt. <laughs> Which is your? What is your hometown? Where did you go to high school? Enter it in. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's a central problem. I mean, that's the Tesla crash, right? I mean, like these cars are making decisions. There's a study that came out today. Uh, Paul's just still cracking up. <laughs> He's just losing it about the well, trolley problem. I'm looking at trolley pro- problem illustrations. If you just search for so- trolley problem and then click images in Google, there's this one artist who's got a lot of done a lot of good work. Um, track is heading towards B. If you pull the lever, it'll switch to A. Nobody's on track A, but B has a loop de loop after the people. <laughs> <laughs> What? It's called the hedonist trolley problem. The, okay. Well, anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. So that is the car. I should do. A, I should do a podcast just about pictures. <laughs> Paul, Paul describes pictures. Actually, that'd be a great. Po- I would listen to that podcast. Cool. All right. Uh, all right. So now we got to talk about TV because that was the other big story yeah. that came out today. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal blockbuster scoop in the Wall Street Journal. Um, just an incredibly good story. Just incredibly like, full of full of details that are so petty. So the story is Apple's been trying to get the TV deal forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the earliest date quoted in that story was 2008 or 2009. So ages they've been trying to get this TV deal. Um, Eddie Q has been meeting with TV networks. Uh, apparently he says things like "We're Apple" and just expects people to like meet his terms. Doesn't wear socks. This is the best petty detail in the entire thing. <laughs> he came to a meeting at the Time Warner Center with the CEO of Time Warner, and like literally the amount of petty detail, like overlooking Central Park. Mm-hmm. All the Time Warner people are in suits, and Co- uh, Q shows up ten minutes late. Ten minutes late. No socks. Hawaiian shirt, mm-hmm. uh, and basically says like, "I don't ever want to give you a rate increase." Even though rate increases are how you grow your profits. And so they rejected him. And so over and over and over again, uh, they've been rejected by the TV companies, which is why they don't have this fabled $30 a month streaming service. Right. And now, of course, for I mean, how long is Apple, the Apple TV? It's a little bit more than a year now, or a year-ish. Um, and their whole thing is the future of TV is apps. Yeah. But we kind of knew... I think, Lauren, you and I had this conversation, too, because you reviewed a bunch of Rokus. The Apple TV is basically like the world's best Roku. It's not a new futuristic product. It's the same feature set as every other mm-hmm. streamer out there. Minus, minus Amazon Prime Video, but yeah. Right, yeah. because Jeff Bezos was basically because like, that. I don't yeah. want to pay your stupid App Store tax. Can I, can yeah. I just use this as an advice, yeah. technical advice podcast? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I watch TV shows on Netflix. And I was like, this seems like a cool TV show. Are they still making it? Yes. Oh, there's a new season available, but it's not on Netflix. 
And at that point, it's like, well, is it on any surfaces? No, it's not. It's like it's in that network specific thing. And you got to do the thing with the cable where you tell them that you have cable. Yeah, but it's really your promise. The authentication. Yeah. Um, Your streaming box calls your mom. Wouldn't that be a great. (laughs) If someone came out with a product that was like, here's where you go to see first run TV always. I mean, I guess that's the dream. One of the like eight things that Apple tried to pull off, one of the things they wanted was like they were they wanted on demand commercial skippable first run TV shows as part of the package. And that's like another thing that got rejected because they're like, well, what are you going to give us for that? This hugely important, valuable thing. And they're like, eh, we're Apple. Yeah. I mean, they want like they wanted they wanted um, only specific channels. Yeah, and basically yeah. the cable companies were like, no, because they're finding. Actually, there was a report out earlier this week in Business Insider about <clears throat> skinny bundles, and how for people like Dish, like the skinny bundle isn't actually working out as well as maybe they thought it might, because you either have these cable loyalists who are paying like ninety dollars a month or whatever or more for the full package, or you have people who are going totally a la carte with OTT services, and like the in between stuff isn't really shaken out so far. Well. I, I- so a big theme in the Wall Street Journal piece and that, that business matter piece was good too. The big theme is the consumers aren't seeing the value of the bundles, even though the bundles represent a good value, right? Like yeah. consumers don't care; they just care about shows mostly. They don't care about getting AMC. They, right? They care about Mad Men. Right? I, yeah. They don't I mean, care about USA. They care about Mr. Robot. And what, what what I'm worried is that the 2008 is an old mindset, like a pre. Netflix being your primary way of watching entertainment. And now right now the only time I think about networks is when I can't find something. So let me ask you this. If you if let's you're like a primary Netflix consumer. And then I also have HBO. The okay. HBO now. So you, so you've got the two ones. Let's say there's a show that you wanted to watch that you could. I'm trying to think of something that's not Netflix. Well, we'll the, use okay. Mr. Robot as an example, right? Mr. Robot's not yeah. Netflix. Actually, I, and really hard to stream Mr. Robot for a show about digital culture. Right. That like literally on the after show last night, we pointed out that it has screenshots of torrent folders in it. I feel like Mr. Robot, you're like morally obligated to torrent. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the, the show I'm really thinking of is Zoo, which is on CBS, and the the first season was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I watched it; been really excited about season two, and now it's. But no, so here's my question: like, So if Netflix how... was like, "We don't have Zoo. Mm-hmm. Give us a dollar, and you can watch Zoo." Would you pay that extra dollar? Totally. So that's so the what that gets me to is. What you've bought is like an interface to entertainment. Netflix is an interface to entertainment. That's it has all the things you want. And if it ha- doesn't have things you want, you're actually willing to pay this incremental price. Mm-hmm. But you're not willing to pay another $8 a month to some other interface. No. Which is, th- I think, the problem Apple is trying to solve. And you can see how on the Apple TV they're getting there. The Roku's there because they just have the universal voice search. So then you're like, Zoo. And it like brings up all these options. And ideally, now they're doing it with a new Apple TV. They have like single sign-on. So you can just like sign into all the cable providers and just like go get everything you but want. But I still have to, and the, the reason I don't do a cable provider because it's like a gamble on like Netflix is a ten dollar a month gamble that they're going to keep on coming out with things like Stranger Things mm-hmm. and I'm going to and old shows that I want to watch. Like the cable situation is like a sixty to a hundred dollar a month gamble. That I'm gonna to want to watch some first, like a couple first-run right. shows. But also, well, the other problem news. with the the cable app model is 
paying, you know, the extra bit to go use the cable app, they're, they're all inconsistent about what they actually offer. Like right. some of them have got full on demand libraries. Some of them don't. Some of them are like hard to figure out and they suck as apps. Some of them are pretty decent. And so like the leap from this thing that I know and trust to the siren that's going on behind me, the yeah. leap from the thing I know and trust. That's Eddie Q. He's, he's super pissed the, at you. The thing I have no idea if it's going to be any good is like not worth it to me. Right. Yeah. If there, if I had a very confident, limited cost solution to watching Zoo right now, then I probably would go for it. So here's the thing that came up in the Wall Street Journal piece today, which I thought was really interesting and kind of borne out by this conversation. You can go get Zoo. You can go pirate Zoo. Any any minimally competent listener of this show right. can probably figure out how to go to Kickass Torrents, which is back, mm. and like get what they want. But the TV industry is saying, we're not as threatened by piracy. So when Apple went to the music industry, when Steve Jobs went to the music industry, it's like, we're just doing iTunes. Mm -hmm. And then later when Spotify just was like, we're doing this. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying is we need to pirate more so TV feels more threatened. I just, I think the threat is there. It's not quite recognized, right? Like the, the cable bundles are doing well, but the skinny bundles kind of aren't. Mm. And... Apple's version of the deals are not as lucrative, potentially. I mean, obviously what Apple's saying is give us this really sweetheart deal, but then you'll see the market will explode. And the TV industry is kind of saying, like, we're in the golden age of TV. Why would we why would we devalue our product just because you think you're going to do a better interface? Oh, another great story from this. This You have to read it. I, I understand the Wall Street Journal is behind a paywall, but... This is why you would pay because mm -hmm. of these like random anecdotes in this piece. Um, at one point, Brian Roberts, the CEO of Comcast, asked to see the new interface. He was like, "Yes, well, you can do a cable box. We'll put it out on Comcast. We'll give you everything. What does the interface look like?" And they refused to show it to him. He was like, "Can you just draw it on the back of a napkin?" And all Apple responded with was, "It will be the best interface you've ever seen." Like, it'll be huge. It'll be huge. It was like basically the Donald Trump, oh like goodness. unbelievably great interface. Wow. You won't even be able to believe it. Right. Um, Make interfaces great again. <laughs> um, but what I've been told for ages is like the interface problem is actually solved. Like everybody, every major TV vendor, every set top box vendor is like, if we just had all the stuff, the interface problem is easy. Uh, Apple has said it to me basically. Roku has said it to me. Um, Vizio, Samsung, they've all said, if we just had all the stuff, if we had all the deals, the interface problem is relatively easy to solve. We just show you the stuff you like, we show you some, some stuff that's on live, and we the give you some recommendations. Control. And I mean, yet, Comcast has even figured out the in interface. Um, so I don't think the problem is the interface, I think the problem is the content. So it's just funny, Apple's been at this for eight years, nine years, mm -hmm. and the TV industry to this day is like, no. Like, we're too powerful, and we're not going to cede that power. And then on the flip side, Comcast, Netflix earnings came out. Um, they're doing fine. Um, but they're, you know, one of their big things is they're, Comcast is finally putting Netflix on their X1 cable box, which is kind of a big deal. They've refused to do it forever. And the, Are they putting it on the X1 cable box, or are they building it into the X1 operating system? <laughs> you mean the X1 iPad app that they think is an operating system? Um, man, that joke never gets old for me. Uh, yeah, but Comcast's line about it was Netflix has already done to the entertainment industry everything that it will do. So like, we mm -hmm. might as well just put it on now. Like, we, we understand the dynamics of this industry. And if, if that's where the cable industry is, then like, how does Apple disrupt it? There are a lot of recurring themes between these past two stories. 
which, I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch, but hear me out. If they're both true, right, which, mm-hmm. which is like a bit like if Apple really is shifting its focus from making a car to making self-driving software, and if Apple is still facing these headwinds and actually getting into quote-unquote real TV, it shows that they're having trouble, um, for lack of a better word, disrupting these legacy industries that maybe in a previous era they would have been able to execute on. Right. And I hate to say it, but there was a guy who used to be able to charmingly convince media industries to do what Apple wanted. Hmm. With no shoes on. With no, literally no shoes. <laughs> Just literally long hair, crazy. Well, the, um, the, the Apple working on original programming, they're going to do one about apps, and they just got the carpool, carpool can we, karaoke. They, yeah, they signed the deal to put carpool karaoke. Mm-hmm. Like, that's them taking the, X, the Xbox, Netflix style. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, this is what we have to do. But that's just following. That's just... Well, you, you, you get some leverage in this world. I guess um, so. Can we just talk about how bad of a name Planet of the Apps is? It's pretty bad. It's, I mean... Literally the worst name. It's, that's, the fir- that's the joke name that like the screenwriter wrote yeah. on the screenplay. Like Planet of the Apps and like underneath it in parentheses it says temporary name. And they're like, oh, that is funny. But Apple has like a corny sense of humor. That's, yeah, that's their. It's, it's tough for me. I mean, like Pixar is like one of the most important companies ever to me. CEO Steve Jobs. Yeah, like it's not impossible for nerdy people to invest in good entertainment, <laughs> but Apple doesn't seem to know how to do it right now. This ad is an ad not for just products, mm-hmm. but for free products. Think about that. That's what Vergecast advertising is all about. Uh, it's an ad for a company called iDevices, which you may remember is the unofficial sponsor of Scissor Vodka. A vodka that does not exist, but invites you to cut through the night. Mm. iDevices. What is iDevices? Is it the existential collection of all the Apple tech you own? No. Duh. iDevices is a leading smart home company with the largest line of Apple HomeKit and Amazon Alexa-compatible home automation products on the market. iDevices manufactures a complete line of meticulously designed and thoughtful smart home products like smart plugs, switches, thermostats, a socket, a light bulb adapter that turns any dumb bulb into a smart bulb with dimming capabilities. They're all Wi-Fi connected. They have Siri and Alexa voice control. They have energy usage monitoring. And each product has a fully customizable nightlight that can add ambience and flair to your smart home. They're one of the original hand-picked Apple HomeKit partners. They stand for top-line quality and craftsmanship, sleek design aesthetic, smart home customization. They are designed and engineered in the United States, in Avon, Connecticut. And they stand behind the quality and craftsmanship of their products with a 100% U.S.-based customer service team that's real people. It's not just like bots. They're like, did you turn it off? I don't know if the people are drinking Scissor Vodka while they're giving you customer service, but mm-hmm. that would be cool. iDevices also has the premier HomeKit aggregator app. You can manage and control all these iDevices products and any other HomeKit-enabled device with this app. And unlike the big cable companies and home security providers that sell not great smart home stuff, iDevices, there's no hub, there's no contracts, there's no waiting around all day for installation. They just send you a box, you just plug it in and go. So this is where it gets good. You stick with me. To celebrate the iDevices' official, unofficial sponsorship of Scissor Vodka, which, again, a vodka that doesn't exist, but which invites you to cut through the night, and to show their love for Vergecast listeners, iDevices is thrilled to announce that they will be giving away 500 Wi-Fi smart plugs, uh, the iDevices Switch. And all you got to do is claim one of these 500 Wi-Fi smart plugs, known as the iDevices Switch, with free shipping. Just go to iDevicesInc.com slash Verge. 
follow the sign-up sheet. If you're one of the first 500, you get a free iDevices switch. Wow. So, like, literally right now, if someone just heard that and they think they downloaded the episode early, yeah, they should go to that URL. You should do it right now. This is the best offer code in the history Please of podcasts. Please pull to the side. No, you're not even supposed to pull to the side of the road. Please find the nearest exit <laughs> and park at the Walmart. Yeah. Right. Please Instead of going switch on your trolley. Let it kill that one person <laughs> while it's going that direction. Sad got dark. Uh, anyway, stop what you're doing right now, unless mm. you're driving, in which case, as Paul said, pull into a Walmart <laughs> just to refute commercialism right. and then go right. to this website, iDevicesInc.com slash Verge. If you use promo code Verge and you're one of those first 500, you get, the fr- you get a switch for free. If you're just buying other stuff, you get 30% off whatever you're buying. So there's only 500 available. Go to iDevicesInc.com slash Verge. One of the first five, you get one for free, and iDevices switch for free. Otherwise, you get 30% off with offer code Verge. Cut through the night. Nice. iDevicesInc.com slash Verge. <laughs> Finally, a use for HomeKit. <laughs> no, HomeKit's about to get like all fancy in iOS 10, right? I'm, I'm excited to try. I'm doing it. I want some, some home automation. Yeah. So I can like complain Paul, about uh, it. Paul, you can't be one of the first 500. You know this, right? No, I'm not saying I'm excited to enter the contest. <laughs> I'm excited to like see if HomeKit could ever actually be a real thing and not just a figment of keynotes. Yeah. I think this is time, Paul, for a little thing that you do. What's it called? Gadget flavor. <laughs> um, what what is the flavor of gadgets? Gadget flavor is like it's like, you know, like how someone has like fl- flav. <laughs> Right. You know, when gadgets are on fleek, they got a hot flav. Right, right. <laughs> no, don't do what you're doing. <laughs> no. I want you to stop. <laughs> this is worse than that time I called it the fruit company. This week's gadget flavor <laughs> is the Kawa Robot R1 first robotic suitcase. By the way, when I was putting it at the rundown, completely knew that this is what you would pick. Can we talk about the number of robot suitcases that we've seen in right. the past so two weeks? So there's two very important suitcases. Hottest trend in tech. I like the one that you attached to your butt. Oh, that. I guess there are three. There are <laughs> no, three. there are two important ones, and there's one that attaches to your okay. butt. Yeah. Well, we'll start with the butt one. <laughs> there, you put a hook on the back of your pants. This is the worst idea. And then... Wait, are they selling the hook, or is it like a special suitcase that goes well, with it? Well, probably needs a special handle to hook onto the hook, or it would just fall no, right it's off. It's just the worst idea. <laughs> Well, then you can walk through the airport and use your phone. Yeah, and no, that, your yeah, no, you're holding holding Starbucks in one hand, phone in the other. What's worse than a cell phone holster? What about a butt holster for your bag? Anyway, go on. All right, um, and I'm then, just saying this is this is one of those ideas that like college students have when they're hammered, and then they woke up and oh, yeah, they this, went to Home this Depot. This is called my hitch. <laughs> no. Yeah, my no, hitch. It's not. Yes, it okay. is. And the women's version is my lovely lady hitch. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> I quit. Oh, All right, no, look, no. slash the verge. That's the end of the show. Okay, and then there's a suitcase that you can ride. It's like a Segway, but you sit down on it. It's like a little scooter. <laughs> and the, the, what's amazing is this commercial has people, it looks like footage from like the pod racing in episode one. Like they are zooming through this airport and like are definitely going to get tackled Does by security. Does it fit in the overhead bin? Uh, I don't know, probably. Yes. Yeah, it looks like it. 
I mean, if you're going to ride it on an airport, it has to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's amazing. It's amazing. Just and everybody's having so much fun. Um, that's on Indiegogo. It's called. Is it funded? Up? Modo bag. Modo. That's fine. If it's not funded, then I'm quitting. I'm quitting the internet again. <laughs> Come up here. We have one job. It's a fun. Totally funded. Okay. Yeah. And um, then there's the third one, which is my gadget flavor pick of the week. Cowaroba R1. It's a regular suitcase on four wheels, and you're rolling around. And then you're like, you know what? I'm tired of dragging this. Let go. It's got little wheels in the bottom that, like, down onto the ground, and it starts rolling itself, and it follows you around. This is what I want. Wow. Also, also, you can, like, beckon it. You can say, hey, come come to me, suitcase. It also, it's got, like, How GPS. How does it know where you are? Um, does it, it has, like, follow your phone? So, you know how the, the handle stays extended? The sensors are in there. It watches you. From the hand. Oh Let me ask you so what the future is. How does it not start following someone else? Well, like, are you, I have are no you idea. To be honest, never go to the airport with your identical sort? twin. Yeah, I mean, this is basically like, what if instead of a small child who got lost to the airport, it was all of your belongings? Also, if it like if it goes, you know, like a, it's got a geo fence, so like if it goes for a certain distance away from you, like you leave in a car, it will like notify you and show you on the map where it's at. What? It also has a huge battery to power the robotic stuff, but you can use that to charge. This is the dream. Devices. Can you carry this on? Also funded on Indiegogo. Uh, I gotta say. Yeah, and you can take out the battery to put it through security. I gotta say, if given the choice between uh, a hitch for your butt. Uh Uh-huh. My hitch? (laughs) Or a a lady hitch. Uh Uh-huh. And a robot dog suitcase. Uh Uh-huh. Go with the robot dog. But what about a car suitcase? Or like a a Segway suitcase? Let me ask you this. If the robot suitcase has to choose between killing a child mm-hmm. and killing <laughs> which one would the right choice <laughs> that's the kind of morals that you can afford when you raise $114,000 on Indiegogo to that's how much they, that's all they need well Indiegogo you know right. they do it like flexible goal I mean Indiegogo a lot of Indiegogos are just to like show interest to investors right um, yeah. most in a lot of Kickstarters like that too hardly any of these for like something this complicated, I mean, I'm sure my hitch can be funded like fifteen dollars. <laughs> the my hitch people, like, I can make that product, um, but I don't want to. Right. I want one of those Boston Dynamic robots to carry my luggage <laughs> just, for me. Lauren's got Everyone, a big dog, just like banging through the airport. That thing is terrifying. Everyone would move out of the way. Yeah. You would never be late for a flight. You would just be like, the seas would part at the airport. What, why didn't Lauren like, make you. her flight? Well, she brought a weaponized dog suitcase to the airport. Oh, not the dog. I'm thinking the human. What if the humanoid was just carrying me? <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my God! Yes. Well, I gotta say, r- the fact that robotic suitcases were a major circuit breaker theme for the past twelve days or so—that's mm-hmm. why circuit breaker exists. Exactly. So that we we're can catch these the, trends on the upswing. The heart of the matter. Um, let's move on. We only have a few minutes left. We spent all that time on Apple, so it's only fair. I verge. Am I right? I've, it's all true. Um, we we end. We got to talk about. It. Google had some earnings. Amazon had some earnings. Facebook, Twitter, the rest of them had some earnings. Here's what I'll say: Just to Google earnings, literally were breaking as we as we started recording here. Um, Google did extraordinarily well. I think people forget Google is like a massive company that reorganized itself into this thing called Alphabet. So inside of Google, Google made like 21 billion dollars in revenue. They made five ish and five ish billion in profit, and then all the other stuff. 
This is Google, not Alphabet. Google, not Alphabet. Right. Literally everything else in Alphabet is categorized as other bets, mm-hmm. which has got to just make them feel great. Right. Uh, and everyone's super excited because other bets uh, lost money, mm-hmm. but lost money slower nice. than they made a little money. Which they still lost like eight hundred billion, eight hundred million dollars, um, but a little bit they lost a little bit slower. That's like what it's like being a middle child. An yeah. other bet. <laughs> yeah, you're the other bet. I hope you're good at something because your brother is great, and that one's the baby. Right. We know you're old. We've got smart on luck. You're another bet. Law uh, school. I think he can handle it. Why don't you try something else? That's terrible. Uh, yeah, and we're going to, the little one, we're just going to care for her the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a middle child. I'm the baby. So oh, that's how I I'm feel. That's child. how my parents feel about me. Oh, okay. My sister is like the smart one. Right. I'm the one who, I, I'm the one who tells jokes about butt luggage for an hour a week. <laughs> you're, you, know, you know what? You know what? You're the, uh, um, Niantic. What, what's that? They Google oh, incubated yeah. they them. spun me off. They spun you off. They're like, we're mostly doctors here, so if you want to do that Pokemon <laughs> thing, you just go off. Right. You just get it done. Um, you are being too modest. You're also a lawyer. I mean. Oh, know. but I was such a bad lawyer. Let's like not discuss that. Um, here's what are. I'll say about other bets. Uh, Nest in, is inside of the other bets. Mm-hmm. Nest had the drama. You know, like continues. Um, they put out their outdoor camera. We're all very happy for them. Come on. It took just... them four years, but they waterproofed the camera. The Nest thermos, the Nest service went down this week in the middle of a heat wave. The thermostat still worked, but all the apps were like not functional. That's like, ah, not a good They put look. out an Apple Watch app. Oh, they put out an Apple Watch app. Ooh, you the, can the... now control that broken thermostat from your wrist. But the thermostat <laughs> kept... Because before, they've had outages where the thermostat does not do anything. Yes, but that was early days. They, they haven't had one of those that. in a while. Okay. But this time, the Nest service... There was a there was like a pet, like an automatic pet feeder yeah. Internet of Things thing that went down and was literally not dispensing food to pets, which is terrifying. Yeah. If you think about it. But Internet of Things. Put a chip in it. See what happens. I know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, your cat died. Um, Hashtag Internet of Things. So that so there's Google. There was not a lot of like other Google news inside of these earnings. They they did much better than uh, you know people thought they were going to do. They continued print money. You compare that to Facebook, which also did outstanding. And also, I think the big quote there from Zuckerberg was, "We see video as a primary part of every platform we have," and you. If you're looking at Facebook lately, you see they're putting video everywhere. Video is where the advertising money is going. It's like that's where it all is. It's where the audience is going. Google owns YouTube. It, I just think about this always in terms of icons on the home screen. Mm-hmm. So Google tends to control distribution through your browser icon, right? You open up a, a browser on your phone, you mm-hmm. tend to search. It's the primary thing you do there. And then you click on a YouTube link, and then half the time it launches the YouTube app, yeah. and then half the time it It's like, plays. Here's, here's this thing in the web. Yeah. And you're not logged in to your YouTube Red account, so you got to watch the ad. It's, it's so bad. It's a whole mess. Um, but Google owns, obviously, I think they own distribution through the browser icon. They obviously own YouTube, and most people have the YouTube icon. Facebook obviously has the Facebook icon, the Instagram icon, the Messenger icon. They're all doing extraordinarily well. Mm. And then there's Twitter. Which just just doing real bad. Yeah. And yeah. it's been quarter after quarter, even with Dorsey back at the helm, just doing real bad. What's going they on? They added just a paltry number of users. Yeah. 
And they like, and they put out an yeah. ad campaign that's like, here's what Twitter is. I think Ashley wrote a story that's like, t- Twitter's 10 years old and still trying to tell people what it yeah. is. Like, Nick Stat's headline was, Twitter is adding users. But, like, that's literally a headline that they are managing to continue to add and not lose users at this point. They added 3 million users on top of 310. Like, are those real? They're people? just done growing. And, like, they're just, I have no idea what they're going to do. They, they have to pivot into something else. They have to make video happen. They have to make these like, you know, live stream partnerships, uh, a real part of the product and not a random thing you might be lucky to see in your feed because like what they're doing right now, uh, is not sustainable, but Twitter is still incredibly vital. That's yeah. I mean, except for the you know right, it dominates the, the whole news cycle. Yeah, I, mean, I can't. I, I'm assuming all of us and most of our listeners have been watching the conventions for the past two weeks. I can't imagine watching these things without Twitter open on my phone. Mm-hmm. Dude, I had to watch mm-hmm. uh, last night's uh, DNC President Obama speech on the plane, and I didn't buy the Wi-Fi, so I didn't have Twitter during the speech, and I, I did not know what to do. Did you I was buy just the, like did you I had. I, just, I was literally just holding the phone in my hand <laughs> off. <laughs> Because I like that's how you watch TV now. Are we just in a are we just media elite bubble New Yorkers, San Franciscos? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Franciscos. think so. I don't think I don't. I think during events like these, like the DNC and the RNC, if you actually follow the hashtags and you kind of you know you, you're not just paying attention to your own echo chamber of media wonks, you see that there are a lot of people, a lot of people that are using it for those specific events like those moments in time but, then, wh- but it is this weird feeling of like like you're sitting watching it and you're like this you know this, this is ridiculous right this is this is ridiculous it's like you used to look around and like look at your friends sitting around your living room and sort of you know right right and then yeah. and now it's like that's what twitter is and if you don't have that you're like i'm pretty sure this is ridiculous or like i'm pretty sure this is the most monumental speech ever and you just have no way to kind of like I don't know, reaffirm your own interpretation of the live media that is happening. Ridiculous for everyone or just me? Well, so this is what Twitter is. Um, yeah, that's your but, new but why, but why, if that is the case, because I agree that that is exactly what Twitter is great at, why shouldn't they have a huge upswing right now during the heat of an election season? No, because their sign-up is hard. I mean, this is why they're doing this brand campaign. Hmm. People... They, they, they put out this research for this new ad, like this blog post, and they're like, people think in order to use Twitter, you constantly have to tweet or you have to tweet once a day or something. But now their ads are like, you just get to see what's happening. Hmm. And so I, th- that's why they're investing in, right, they're streaming the conventions. And they're, uh, have you guys looked at the how they're doing convention streaming? It's actually really yeah. slick. Right, you push yeah, I tried the button. Using it, but it was a little bit annoying. Um, well, it's because it's not your feed; it's like the hashtag. That's exactly why. So, yeah. you push the button. Like you open the Twitter app on your phone, it says "Watch the DNC" or whatever. You push it, the live stream opens, and then a stream of tweets happens underneath it. So they're, they're combining that sort of first screen, second screen experience. They are going to stream a bunch of football games. They're talking to every other sports league. They've got rights to a bunch of other stuff. They know that live events are where they belong. Mm-hmm. And I think what they're going to do is just say, like, you don't have to tweet. Like, there's no write a tweet mode in that live stream view. Can I just say, I know that. Uh, I link to this story like once every six months and people are tired of me talking about it. But in January of 2012, 
I went to the Dive Into Media conference, and then CEO Dick Costolo was on stage, and I said that what Twitter needs to do is become a broadcasting social network and stop trying to be a social network. And they're still trying to figure it out. Like, they had the idea four years ago that think of us as a a new kind of broadcasting network that happens to be a little bit social, and they still haven't figured it out. Yeah, but they're getting there. So this seems yeah. like the this will be the first year with like also more sports with the election. I don't like that. I want to tweet. Yeah, it's weird, but their like, problem like is if you think about Twitch chat, YouTube chat, like these are video services that are designed for watching video while you also see other people chatting. But those are like small yeah. communities. Like Twitter's their problems are a big community. It's it's just interesting. There's a whole language to Twitter. I mean, we take it so much for granted, but for someone who's just signing up for Twitter and you're explaining to them hashtags and at signs and putting the period before the at signs so that your mutual friends can see it and then, you know, you're there's gonna be a while you're away and then but then there are moments and all this stuff and like mm-hmm. and then it's couple coupled with the harassment problems they're having, um, which, you know, people may sort of know about peripherally if they're not on Twitter as much as we are, and it's like People are probably thinking like, "What's the what's the value? Like, why should I spend so? Why should I invest so much time in getting to especially when to every this? news organization is super committed to aggregating the best of Twitter and showing it to you all the time? That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's why you. Oh, yeah. that what? makes sense. Yeah, like why you don't you need bother? to sign up to see more tweets because you see the tweets right then. Yeah, here's like right. Donald Trump like blows his nose and everyone's like, "Guess what he tweeted?" Mm-hmm. And it's he's like. Sad. Oh, hey, look what just happened in the Alphabet earning call. Google sold 30 million Chromecasts. Whoa. Um, hmm. and it was 25 million in May, so these new Chromecasts are flying off the shelf. Look at um, that. Did, Good job, and Google. That's ju- is that Chromecast audio, too, included in that? Or just, uh, just Chrome- Chromecast devices. Chromecast. It's probably everything all combined. Um, Cadillac and the new CT6, which is an extraordinarily expensive car, but the new CT6... All the every super fancy luxury car has like a backseat experience now because mm-hmm. they assume that someone else will drive it for you. Um, so it's got monitors in the backseat and it's got an HDMI jack and they're putting Chromecast in there. And as part of the sales process, the salespeople teach you how to use the Chromecast in the car, oh. which like they're training their dealers on like what a Chromecast can do because it's such a thing. I thought backseat screens were for kids. They are, but if you're buying a Cadillac CT6, they might be for you. Oh. Because, you know. Something to aspire to. Because Leroy, your chauffeur. I've always wanted to have a driver. He's driving the car. Leroy. Yeah, it's came up with a name. Cool. I feel like a good name. You know. But we should talk about Google's sort of hardware game right now. Because Chromebooks are doing extraordinarily well. The Chromecasts are doing extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. The S7 is doing extraordinarily well as an Android phone. Mm-hmm. At some point, Google's going to have to pull this all together and actually make make that real for them, don't you think? Or are they just going to keep giving the operating system away for free all the time? Like, make what real? I, you, like, you don't think they're going to do a version of, like, the Chromebook Pixel that is actually accessible? You don't think they're going to make their own phone, which they've been rumored to do forever, outside of sort of the Oh, Nexus yeah. We, I feel like or we've talked about that, right? Watch. Yeah. It's just they're in a so moment they where are their platforms are doing, doing extraordinary doing a phone well. in Project Ara, but that's really experimental. Right. I think they're not going to make a Pixel for an uh, affordable Pixel because that would piss off the uh, vendors who would just say, screw that, I'm going to Windows if you're going to compete with me. Uh, but the latest rumor is they're going to be making their own smartwatches. Oh, yeah. Wait, why? I actually don't know why 
why any of these vendors would go to Windows if what they're selling are Chromebooks, right? The value of the Chromebook is that it's simpler. Schools are buying tons of them. The schools mm-hmm. don't want to support and maintain Windows. The, but uh, why would they like? Why would they compete with Google on the low end if they could not compete with Microsoft on the low end? Like they can make a good computer cheaper with Chrome OS, but if they have to compete directly with with Google at that low margin, low end, then they'll be like, well. We should just go with Windows because then we don't have to compete with Microsoft. Like, I don't know. It seems to me like that is like we always everybody always worried when Microsoft started making the Surface that all their OEMs would run away and they'd be pissed about it, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. And I think that's partially because the Surface is a relatively expensive device. I think that calculus is way different when you get under five hundred dollars. Yeah, that makes sense. I I just think as they move Android on to Chrome OS, which is, I know that Dieter, you have a Pixel that can do it, right? Um, uh, I have I have a Pixel, an R11, and a Flip. So come at me. I hate you. Can I have one? Can I have one of those things, please? Um, uh, I think as that happens, I, I just think the Google as a platform vendor will kind of like come into more focus, and that's like I, I think that's tremendously exciting. I think Windows Windows as a platform has like found where it belongs. I think the Surface is very popular. But it's not going to be because it doesn't have a mobile component. It's just kind of fixed in time where it is. Um, obviously, Apple's got its platform strategy the way it is. But having another sort of unified desktop to mobile experience is really interesting to me. And I, I don't think I don't think Google can get there unless they start making some of their own products. Uh, I would love more Google products. I guess. Cool. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Amazon. We've it's clearly it's like, we squeezed everything out of this oops, weekend. We're Apple. Yeah, yeah. But it would be cool. Um, and I think more competition in the market's good. Anyway, uh, Lauren, do you know what's going on with Amazon? Or are you going to read this article that just went up the same way I am? Amazon just hit, I'm, by the way, for the listener. So I'm just going to read it. They posted a profit of 857 million dollars. Right. That never but- happens. That was a year, year over year. That was an 832% jump. And right. their sales were up 31% from the previous quarter. Um, so this is, um, so it used to be like for a while, you know, it was like Amazon doesn't make money except for Amazon Web Services, AWS, right? Mm-hmm. Like they make a lot of money and that's great, whatever. But now it's actually like, and that's still highly profitable, but now it's like Amazon is actually making real money. And they don't um, want to. That's usually they take every. They could always make money. Like the story is, they could flip the switch, and make money. But Bezos, in particular, is like we're plowing all that money back in R and D uh, or new products. But I guess they were like, well, the phone didn't work. This drone thing's a lark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they built a big office. Amazon. They built a big office. Uh, I will say we reviewed their blue phone, and Dan actually kind of liked it. I reviewed it. it oh, you Paul. reviewed it. It was Paul. Yeah. And it's not... Blue's been making phones apparently for a while. Yeah. Um, Amazon puts ads on it and gives you a $50 discount. Um, and it's just as great and bad as that sounds. <laughs> like, you literally... Every time you unlock the, the screen, there's a new ad on it, basically. Um, and it's either, like, a swipe to dismiss ad or a literally full screen. So, like, it's like you picked up somebody else's phone and that person liked looking at an ad of i get a lot of like fitness stuff there's like this protein powder they want me to buy or like a lady who runs around in headphones like i don't want headphones that i can run in for (laughs) sure um 
so I don't know who they think I am. They're not very targeted, but um, yeah, it's a great product and fifty dollars cheaper. It's kind of crazy that you can get a phone that good for sixty dollars. Yeah, sorry that I didn't know that you reviewed it. It's okay. I apologize. It's okay, and it's rare that I. But Dan helped a lot, also. <laughs> <laughs> I probably looked at Paul, just tell, the photos. Tell me a lie about your lead in the book that you've been reading and what. That oh, says about oh yeah, um, Kevin Kelly wrote a new book. I think it's called the The Inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like 12 trends that he sees that will like keep on progressing. And one of the trends he talks about is that like you, you kind of go away from ownership of things towards like renting or yeah. just gain, you like pay for or somehow obtain access temporarily to things. And so I thought this was kind of that phone. Um, but like in the future, you can imagine like you kind of just like wake up and you just decide you want a certain set of gadgets and tools for the day and content, mm-hmm. right? And that comes into your life through like I don't know through a tube, yeah. And then you use that, and then you dump it into the other tube at the end of the day. And I, f- I feel like th- this phone having ads on it and being really good for how cheap it is is like I, f- I just felt like I was a little bit living that future. At some point, someone's got. What are the ads for? The ads are to make you buy something, or rent something for an- another financial. Right, time. but see, think think about Amazon. Amazon's really well positioned there because they have so many people signed up for Prime. And for well, the cloud services obviously makes a lot of money. These are like recurring services, but I would love like Amazon Instant, where it's like, or was it what's it called Amazon Now? Man, so many services. <laughs> where if they brought me something and then I used it and then they took it back, yeah. What would that look like? Oh, um, oh, I don't know. That's a weird. Like what though? Because a lot of what they're pushing these days with some. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but they they push a lot of consumable goods, right? right. So you like That's get the mostly dish soap, what it is. You, right, you push you the button it. and. Well, That's like, it. let's say you and wanted so, to rent a camera. Like, it's a special occasion, so you want to have a, a decent camera. So you rent. So they bring you a camera. Yeah, yeah you send it back. With, the, with all the battery and everything's all ready to go. You use oh, it. That's interesting. You send it back. I will say, here's my, we got to wrap up, but here's my counter. Yesterday, we were at the end of, we were taping the Mr. Robot after show, mm-hmm. which I will hype in a minute. Um but Cora Donna, who's one of the writers and the technology producer on the show, was talking about how within that show there was like a, a VCR moment where they watched an old tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, that effect, we actually got it by putting it on a tape, pulling the tape out and crinkling it. And he's like showing it to us, the physical tape. And we were all just holding a VHS cassette and being like, oh, these were awesome because they were like real. And like there's all this physical experience around the media. And then we had a whole conversation about like vinyl and this. But there's something to it. There's like there's that world, but there's also the I have stuff. And he world. talks about stuff like that in the book as well. That that, that you have a certain type of collector that goes after certain uh, a, a, a kind of feeling of scarcity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway. I still actually I still collect actual books, and I, like anecdotally, my chances of finishing a book on Kindle versus finishing the hardcover book it's it's much higher with physical book. I finish physical books and then I like put them on the shelf and I'm like, I finished that book. I read that. And then like I download a bunch of stuff to Kindle and I'm like, I'm totally going to read this book. And <laughs> I just, I just don't finish. Right. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway. What is the nature of reality? That yeah. on the next Vergecast next week. <laughs> nice. Uh, yes, stay tuned. It's sometime I, on Friday. I should clarify. He, he, he's not calling these trends good or bad or he right or wrong. Trends. He's just saying this is where things are going towards. Here's what I'll, uh, as a counterpoint to that, uh, Emily interviewed Werner Herzog. Mm-hmm. It's up on The Verge today. Uh, and he just discussed for a while Pokemon Go 
and whether it should require physical violence. It's fantastic. (laughs) It is the craziest interview we've done in a long time and beautiful photos. Um, So look at that. That is the Vergecast for the week. Um, If you have not gotten enough of these people talking, you can listen to us talk in various other ways. Lauren has a great podcast that she unceremoniously booted me from this week to talk about. Oh, we didn't talk about Yahoo. <laughs> no, uh, I'm really but sorry. who gives a shit about Yahoo except for the people who uh, want to listen to Kara talk about it because she's the only person in the world who's interesting about Yahoo. So listen yeah. to Too Embarrassed to Ask with Lauren and Kara. You guys got deep into Yahoo this week, I imagine. We So Kara basically has been hiding out in Yahoo's air vents for the past 20 years. And so I had to take this opportunity to interview her and ask her every question you could possibly ask about Yahoo. And it was great. It comes out this Friday. Um, but I did end up booting Neil off the show. And we need to reschedule because I really, like, I really want you to come on. But I want you to talk about the stuff that, like gets the people going. But, and by the people, I mean Neelai. I want you to talk about <laughs> stuff that gets Neelai going. We'll it's going to be out. awesome. It's going to be so fun. Um, I've been trying to have a thought about Yahoo for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I'm <laughs> close to one. But it's just, it's not really a thought yet. Um, anyway, listen to Lauren's podcast, Too Embarrassed Ass. It's wonderful. Uh, also on the Recode side, uh, Kara has a podcast, Recode Decode. Peter Kafka has a podcast, Recode Media, which is wonderful. On on the Verge ha- side of the radio house, mm-hmm. the house of radio that we built it here at Vox Media. On uh, the ship. <laughs> on our ship. <laughs> Two admirals, a coxswain, and a guy with a steering wheel. Chris Plant does uh, What's Tech, which is wonderful. Um, I think he did What is Podcast this week, which is like very meta, very mm. cool. With um, Alex Goldman from Reply All. Yep. So that's a great one. Sorry, uh, I just had to get that in there. Emily I'm very excited and, about it. Emily and Liz... Uh, have Verge ESP Entertainment Side Podcast. And sadly, Control Athlete was off this week because Walt's on vacation, but we'll be back. And I'm starting a new podcast called A Thousand Words, where I describe <laughs> pictures. <laughs> That's going to be our most popular podcast in like a week. It's just Paul describing various Google image searches. All right, that's it. Uh, leave us, you know the right number of stars in iTunes. You can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. Paul's at Future Paul. Lauren's at Lauren Good. Dieter's at Backlon. I want to know your answer to the trolley problem mm. or send your illustrations of the trolley problem to Paul. Yeah. Thanks to iDevices, unofficial, official, official, unofficial sponsor of Scissor Vodka. Uh, and you can get, if you're one of the first 500, you can get a free switch. iDevicesInc.com slash Verge. Thanks, everybody. Rock and roll. Cut through the night. Paul. 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 Catchphrases. Catchphrases.